a great investment bank franchise here in New York and in London. And, you know, being one of the few European investment banks out there today, I think it's a competitive advantage for Barclays. How, though, does ring fencing, right, the funding cost that that imposes on your bank, the U.K. balance sheet tax, bonus caps, and the senior manager regime not put you at a disadvantage relative to, say, J.P. Morgan? Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the list goes on. You know, having worked at J.P. Morgan, I assure you there's no one there saying, boy, we have a huge competitive advantage because our regulators are so nice to us. I mean, everyone is facing the regulatory challenge of, adjust, of adjusting to the new realities of, of the financial markets. I, I fundamentally believe that the U.K. regulators want to see a British bank uh, within the leading investment banking group. Um, remember, it is, however, only 25% of our risk capital. You know, we are predominantly a retail consumer corporate bank. Um, uh, but I think the U.K. would love to see a British bank uh, as a major player in the world's capital markets, and that's what Barclays is today. Okay, since you've created an opportunity for me, I want to play a scenario game. Pretend I'm a multinational CEO. Remember, this is the world of make-believe. My company is active in capital markets. I do a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Tens of millions in fees are at stake. I've decided to hold my own little bake-off, right? J.P. Morgan or Barclays. Jess Staley is called in to close the deal. What's your pitch to me? You know, there's so much uh, intellectual talent uh, in Barclays. And, and I think we manage this bank with a set of values that I'm very proud of and hopefully all the people at Barclays are very proud of. It's just the quality of our advice. Uh, you know, we're going to give our best foot forward. Uh, we'll, we'll give the client our best ideas. We will, our, our thoughts will be what is in their best interest, not what gets a transaction done. J.P. Morgan is an outstanding bank, uh, but so is Barclays. And so we'll let the CEO uh, decide between the two. <laughs> All right. Now the argument number two against keeping the investment bank, it's simply not profitable enough, right? Look at the return on equity or tangible equity, if you prefer. Look at the cost-to-income ratio, what they call the efficiency ratio here. Look at your standing in some of the most profitable, high-margin businesses in investment banking, and you're not where you used to be. You know, uh, like a lot of investment banks, not all, we have dramatically had to reduce our risk-weighted assets. So we've taken the risk on our investment bank's balance sheet down in half. Uh, faced with that headwind, actually from 2014 to 15, we doubled the return on equity. We doubled uh, the profitability. We have a long way to go. We've got to do a lot on managing the costs uh, in our investment bank. Uh, so we won't rest until we deliver in the investment bank a return on equity that covers the cost of capital. But that's what we're going to accomplish. Okay, but that's an industry-wide problem, right? And wishing isn't going to fix it. We're not going to wish. We're going to execute here at Barclays to get there. But I do fundamentally believe that if we're going to rely on the global capital markets, which is, you know, mutual funds and pension funds buying debt and equity issued by companies, I don't believe the world will feel safe if we're relying on a global capital markets where the intermediaries, the investment banks, can't raise capital, can't earn a fair return to their shareholders. It's just not a stable platform to fund the world's economy. So how long till it course corrects? And what's know. the catalyst? The cal I think it's happening now. Um, so Do you? 
Oh, for sure. I think uh, all of the banks, I think, are looking at how to manage these balance sheets with far less risk on them in a way to deliver the capital markets to clients, but in a way that delivers profitability to our, to our, our, our shareholders. Okay, and here's the third argument. The culture simply can't be fixed, right? Your bank has paid 20 billion pounds in misconduct, fines, penalties, and other costs, wiped out your profit for, what, five years? Most of that started here at the investment bank. You know, I do. I've said this before, Eric. I do believe that Wall Street lost its way uh, um, you know, in the in the late '90s. Uh, I do believe that money became too much of a motivational factor. Uh, I think banking's got to reverse back to the time when it was a profession, when uh, uh, being a practitioner in the profession of finance was like being a lawyer or being a doctor. Um, we've got a lot to atone for. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but have no doubt the only existential risk to Barclays is if we get it wrong in the future in, on, on conduct. And everyone in this room knows Why that. Why are you certain that you can change that conduct and change that culture? Because I started in the banking industry that had the right conduct, that had the right culture. So it's, it's just going back to something that I've seen before. And I think everybody in this room wants to get there. But there are still, in this room, I'm sure, unreasonable expectations when it comes to compensation. You've talked about the gulf, right, between expectations and, you know, what's reasonable, what's you know, rational. How do you close that gap? We've reduced the bonus pool at Barclays, for instance, by over half in the last four years. And they're all still here. And they're all working hard. And, and you know, we will get the culture in the right place. We need to pay uh, uh, competitively. But people aren't here uh, just because of a check. They want to be here to do the right things for our clients. But don't you have that. to be able to draw the line on pay, even if it costs you some talent? Sure. You know, we won't. Uh, I'm not going to buy someone to come from Barclays. Never. So uh, people have to come here and stay here for reasons other than monetary gain. But are you buying people, for example, when we talk about your senior management team, are you buying no. people from other places? No. For example, you know, Mr. Compton, Mr. Ventakrishnan, they left J.P. Morgan. I, did they leave J.P. Morgan for a pay cut? I can't imagine they did. No, but there's no guaranteed compensation for either of them. They came here because they want to help Barclays become a great institution. You believe that? Yes, I do. What is the one thing you need to do if you're going to transform this room Right into a Roman galleon where everybody's roaring in your direction. You know, uh, uh, to reinsert the values of, of of being a banker as a profession. You know, uh, realizing that the real asset of a, of a banker is the trust that our consumers and clients place in us, and you and you earn that trust by always acting with the level of in, integrity that stands you out amongst the industry. And I want people at Barclays to feel that and act that way, and I believe that we can do that as a bank. What's the single biggest risk to this company? The single biggest risk to this company is um, uh, someone violating the values of this firm. One last question here. Brexit, right? ECB decision coming any moment, but another big topic for Europe is, is the potential for a Brexit. Stuart Gulliver says that HSBC would have to move 1,000 people from the U.K. to Paris in the event of a Brexit, which is not out of the question, I have to imagine you've run the numbers. What would Barclays do? You know, we've come out publicly. Our chairman uh, uh, in his chairman letter said, we believe uh, the best thing for our customers and our clients in the United Kingdom is for the U.K. to stay sure. part of the European Union. Uh, but if it Union. doesn't? 
You know, uh, we will suffer because our customers and our clients will suffer in the UK. But we're a UK bank, so uh, inside of the United Kingdom, we'll be fine. But if our clients suffer, we suffer, and therefore we've made the recommendation that uh, that the UK vote to stay inside the European Union. Jess, on behalf of Bloomberg Television viewers worldwide, Bloomberg Radio listeners worldwide, I want to thank you for this opportunity. David, that is Jess Staley. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Barclays. We're here in Midtown Manhattan. That is Bloomberg's Eric Schatzker with Barclays' new CEO, Jess Staley, suggesting that banks are challenged these days, particularly with central banks still struggling to find ways to stimulate global economic growth, but that Barclays has a good future in front of them. The stock is up by about a tenth of a percent since the interview began. I thought what was great about it, Mike, was his quiet statement. It used to be like being a doctor or a lawyer. That is true. I know those younger don't believe it, but (laughs) before the madness of the media affecting financial things, it was actually like that. The world has changed. It has changed. Now it's time for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. All U.S. drone operators would, for the first time, have to prove they understand aviation regulations under broad legislation introduced in the Senate. The bill-setting policy for the Federal Aviation Administration includes several new drone provisions, including a requirement for unmanned flyers to pass an online test. There are signs the European Union is gearing up to send Google an antitrust complaint over its Android mobile phone system, according to people familiar with the probe, adding to the growing list of regulatory woes for the company on the continent. The EU has voiced concerns over Google's bundling of apps, such as Maps, YouTube, and Chrome software with Android, questioning whether the practice harms independent developers of competing apps. And Bloomberg Intelligence reports a ruling in the net neutrality legal challenge to rules barring ISPs from blocking, degrading, or favoring Internet traffic. It's likely before the third quarter. AT&T, CenturyLink, and associations for wired and wireless Internet service providers have attacked the FCC's net neutrality rules in court. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Bob Moon, thank you very much. Well, we are now about uh, six minutes away, Tom, from the ECB decision that everybody is waiting on, at least part of it, the rates decision. What is the history of headlines uh, coming out at 745, followed up by press conference? How does he do that? He he does the headlines, obviously. The headlines come out and give us what the rates are going to be. They just tell you what the rate is going to be. The actual mechanism. The actual mechanism, and in this case, they are certainly the main refinancing rate. Their benchmark rate is at five basis points. That hasn't been changed in quite a while. It's the deposit rate, the uh, rate that banks get charged for keeping money at the ECB, they have been uh, maneuvering, and that is negative 30 basis points now. The forecast is they may add another 10. Look across all of uh, Bloomberg Digital Media for our coverage today of the economics and the challenges Mr. Draghi faces. Coming up next, the ECB announcement. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting it out of the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.